American songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to Valerie Broussard over Zoom video. Valerie was born and raised in Philadelphia. She talks about that and how she got into music. She was always into musical theater, uh, eventually did opera. And she tells us when she was in college, uh, she was in an opera, and the head of the production uh, came up and told her, you know what, you're, you're, you're pretty good at this, but you'd be very, very good as a pop singer. And that's what really changed her life and had her pursue singing as, as a pop artist. So she started writing her own songs. She was living in London at the time, so she started performing at open mic nights in this little club. Eventually moved from London back to the United States, was living in New York, and that's where she got her first publishing deal. She talks about that. She talks about having her first song in a television show, getting her first sync, working with Kygo, and that was kind of the big explosion of her career, especially with the song Think About You. She talks about touring with Kygo, playing to 107,000 people, almost falling off the stage, where she was when the pandemic hit about how the most recent songs she's been releasing were actually recorded by herself in her own little home studio she created in the beginning of the pandemic. She talks about getting the opportunity to sing backups on the Goo Goo Dolls' most recent record, which inspired her to cover Iris from the Goo Goo Dolls. And she also talks to us about her new EP, which is coming out. You can watch our interview with Valerie on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Valerie Broussard. This podcast is all about you and your journey in music and how you got to where you are now. Exciting. All right. I'm ready. Awesome. Awesome. So first off, uh, tell me about where you, where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I keep telling everybody this, but have you seen Mayor of Easttown on HBO? I have not. So it's great. Kate Winslet is in it, but uh, it's set in Delaware County where I grew up. And there's a very specific accent that Kate Winslet has been out in the press being like, this is a very hard accent it's that very traditional philadelphia accent that you hear tina fey doing on saturday night live a lot okay sure So i feel like i've been referencing it to people like that's that's where i grew up if you want the specific visual go watch mayor of Easttown. it's also just great it's a good show so that's my ad for mayor of Easttown. <laughs> okay <laughs> so is that pretty does that sum up the town yeah accurately pretty well yeah my only complaint um is that they're they never go to Wawa, and I feel like, I don't know if you've ever been to a Wawa before, but it's a I'm very not. Philadelphia convenience store. It is a game changer. <laughs> uh, if you're ever in the sort of, kind of in that entire area, I think they have them in uh, Jersey as well. But yeah, it's like a way better 7-Eleven with really good fresh sandwiches, very oh, good hoagies. Okay. Um, it's a huge vibe and it's a big part of the lifestyle. And so I think a lot of people were disappointed not to have a Wawa on the show. Okay. And is that is where you were born and raised? Is that in the city or are you on the outskirts of the city or? Yeah, right on the outskirts of Philadelphia on the Southwestern side. Okay. So it's pretty yeah. easy to get into where, oh, yeah. where it's yeah. at, where everything's kind of happening in the city. There was a trolley line at the end of my street that I could just walk to and hop oh. on the trolley and I would be in the city in a couple minutes. That's rad. Yeah, it was great. 
That is super cool. Well, how did you get into music? I actually got into music in college. So I was a bit of a late bloomer, but I was always doing musical theater. And then I was doing opera actually while okay. I was in college. Uh, and it's a long story, but essentially if I boil it down, it's that I was in an opera in France one summer when I was in college and this very serious German conductor, uh, heard me singing jazz drunkenly with some of the orchestra dudes one night and he comes <laughs> up to me and I had a very small role in this opera. Um, mm -hmm. and I was maybe like 21 at the time. And he comes up to me and he was like, uh, what are you doing here? And I was like, um, I mean, you're, I mean, you're opera, sir. Like, what do you mean? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was like, I'll be honest with you. You've got an okay opera voice, passable. You're never going to be a star. And he was like, but you've got a great pop voice. Do you write music? And I said, no. And he was like, are you sure that you don't write music? And uh, after that, I thought maybe I should give this a try. And now it's my job. Wow. So that, yeah. that, that day in France, like was a total life-changing moment for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, he was, you know, very, uh, blunt about the whole thing, but I'm yeah. very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> sure. He actually, he was right on and wasn't he? I mean, yeah. he's spot on for that's, that's, <laughs> that's cool. Were you obviously a singer prior to to this, I mean, were you? When did you start singing? At early, early age? Yeah, really, really young. Just whenever around the house, whenever I could. My parents got me voice lessons. I think when I was like maybe ten or eleven, um, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. But I never thought I would be a professional musician. Um, I actually thought I was going to be a politician. I wanted to be a lawyer and then go into wow. politics. And then I'm really glad I didn't do that now. <laughs> um, but. It's yeah. So it's been a journey for sure, but I'm, I'm okay. glad to be here now. Totally. Were you in, I mean, you talked about being in theater and opera. Were, were those things that you're interested in when you were younger, elementary, middle, high school at all? Yeah. As soon as I could get on stage, uh, I did. My brother was in a couple of community theater productions and I was maybe four or five and he was already doing them. And I was just bugging my parents to be a part of this stuff. And bless uh, Loretta Lacasse, who does this um, wonderful little children's yeah. theater program. I'm oh, sorry, that's my email making noise. I should probably silence that. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, this wonderful woman in Philadelphia who does uh, a children's theater program, my parents sort of you know, conned her into allowing like a, gosh, I was five or six years old kid um, in one of her shows, if, as long as I would you know, be good and uh, follow direction. And, and yeah, I just got hooked after that. Wow. Well, they must have seen something in you as well. I mean, to be that young and be like, yeah, yeah, we'll let her in. Like, you must have been a very good singer then as well. I was a boisterous kid. I think that's <laughs> a part of it for sure. Big yeah. personality for sure. <laughs> sure. When did you start singing opera? I mean, that's difficult in itself. I mean, you got to sing in a different language. It was oh yeah, yeah. That's oh, a whole yeah. thing. The language when did you, stuff. When did you take that on? Well, I started doing that in high school, um, just for the for the repertoire part of it. When I was doing musical theater stuff, you want to have a little bit of that in your arsenal, I think. Mm -hmm. um, the way that many really good dancers, no matter what it is, what 
type of dance that they do, they'll end up taking some ballet classes just so that they have that really classical underpinning. And I think it's the same way when you're a singer. And I really didn't get into opera until I was in college and another long and convoluted story that basically ends with uh, that due to an ex-boyfriend, I ended up missing the auditions for Oklahoma um, when I was in college and I was super salty about it. Mm-hmm. And a friend was like, why don't you try out for the opera? And so then I ended up doing that. And once again, kind of got hooked on that and then was in a bunch of operas while I was in college. And But it is definitely a way more complicated process because not only are you learning really complicated music, but you're singing in Italian, German, French, usually most of the time. And I don't speak, well, I speak French kind of badly. Um, okay. But the other two languages... Definitely not. No, not at all. <laughs> Did you just have to like learn the inflections of like, I mean, was it obviously yeah. not knowing the language that must've been difficult, not only to the, sing the way they do, but to, to kind of know how to pronounce the, the words, right? Oh yeah. And I was awful. Definitely at that though. Uh, there's someone in like the directing staff of an opera um, whose entire job it is to make sure that you not only are getting all of your, you know, your notes right and everything else, and they kind of go through all this stuff with you, but also um, your language stuff right. Um, Because no matter what, even if you're, you know, a huge opera star, you might be doing an opera in Russian and you haven't done a ton of Russian, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who's still in opera and is doing really well and recently did an opera in Finnish and he's never like, never done anything in Finnish before. So he had to have someone kind of on board to help him through that process and and learn how to sing it and everything else. It's a complicated thing. Yeah. Did you like have to learn like sort of, I mean, not learn the language, but like listen to people speaking in German or French, like to really kind of start to sing, you know, in that language, or was it just, you heard how the song was supposed to sound and then you just kind of mimic it. Yeah, you know, I am probably not the best. Uh, This is probably not what they want you to do, but I would listen to, um, you know, the people that there were cast recordings, right, Mm. on on Spotify or whatever. Um, And so I would listen to that to sort of get my inflection down. Um, Probably if you are any good at opera, you are out there um, listening to the language and learning the language and, and sort of getting in and around it so that you're not just mimicking somebody else, but that's absolutely what I did. Took the easy <laughs> way out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, once this uh, director told you, you know, you should not be pursuing opera, but you should be pursuing pop music. Like what was at that point? I mean, what was the first thing you did? Did you get home and you're like, okay, I should start trying to learn how to write songs. Like what was, yeah, that like, how does was it begin? It. Um, and I wrote a bunch of bad songs um, and then wrote, a, I remember when I wrote a good one, I remember thinking, I think this is good and just <laughs> started to get involved in the scene. Um, I knew a bunch of other singer songwriters at the time through my voice teacher at the time and just started to play in, you know, kind of little shitty clubs in and around London where I lived at the time for college. Okay. And so just kind of started to claw my way up in that scene. And actually there's a jazz club in London called Ronnie Scott's famous jazz club. And they have an upstairs level Um, and they would have, I think it was on a Tuesday night, like a 
up and coming singer songwriter night. And mm -hmm. I played that all the time and just met as many other young singer songwriters as I could and just kept writing and kept writing and kept writing. Okay. Were you writing the music as well? Or like, how? tell me about the writing process for you. Did you, I, we didn't talk about if you played an instrument or not. I do. I play guitar, piano, and clarinet um, all quite badly. Clarinet being the one that I'm the best at. Because oh, that's I cool. High school, but like very sexy, the clarinet. It's not like I'm coming into um, studio sessions these days and being like, oh, let me just uh, put my lay, clarinet together. Lay a couple clarinet li <laughs> licks down. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, um, that is not <laughs> that is not the way that it's going. Uh, but I do, I do play guitar and piano, uh, though I've had many friends make fun of me and say that I look like a T-Rex when I play piano because I never was taught properly. So I play like only with a couple of fingers and it's just <laughs> a lot of mashing. Okay. But you can kind of get the idea of the song down by mm -hmm. mashing. Uh, though when I figured out that co-writing was a thing and that I could start writing songs with people who were much more talented um, and complex instrumentalist than myself, I definitely uh, began to prefer that as a, as a mode of writing. Though at okay. first I did write alone. And you were performing these songs on guitar or piano at, the, at this club? Oh, I definitely had friends back me up oh, for okay. that. Because <laughs> okay. I'm not going to be out there mashing with my T-Rex fingers. Um, <laughs> nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that. Yeah. Was it difficult to get into the clubs in, in London as an American? I was just, I'm just curious. I think the first trying to remember when I ended up playing the first time oh you know it was so a friend of mine was playing and he invited me up on stage with him and I think that slowly but surely I just started to know people in the scene and it definitely didn't have anything to do with me being American uh, okay. and everything to do with me just not being a known quantity but I think that's how every songwriter ends up working if they kind of go through the club scene mm -hmm. you just have to badger people until they allow you to play <laughs> okay <laughs> you said you you know you wrote a bunch of bad songs until you wrote your first good one what was that is that a song that you've put out or no it's not a song that I've put out um but I played it all the time in London and then in New York when I moved there uh my style has definitely evolved quite a bit since then but I remember the first time that I kind of played it through to myself and thought okay this isn't nearly as horrible as the other songs you've written okay and then from that point was it like all right I've I've, I've got something here and then I should go try to to do these open mic nights or perform them? I think the big test was whether or not the audience at these clubs and stuff thought that it was a good song. Because you can think, um, oh, so sorry. Someone, okay. I'm on my iPad and someone <laughs> called me and it just blacked my iPad out. I'm so okay. sorry. We're in the middle of a podcast interview. My email's going off. That's My the phone. beauty of this. I love that about it, to be honest. <laughs> it's just a real conversation, not yeah. too polished up. You know what I mean? So sorry. No, um, no, no, no need to apologize. Where was I? What were we? Uh, oh, I was talking I completely about, lost my train of thought. Um, when you, you, you wrote. Oh, right. Yeah, your first song. When you're bringing and songs out there. I think the key was just, you know, are people clapping? Do, mm -hmm. um, do people like the song that aren't my mom? 
that's the big <laughs> test. Okay. Um, and I think, yeah, once you start to show it to people that aren't friends or they don't know you, they have no reason to clap. They could just sit there in silence mm -hmm. and judge you. Um, and so when people started responding, I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I've got something here. We'll be right back with more from Valerie Broussard right after this. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? As a valued member of our Bringing It Backwards community, you've been able to relate and empathize with artists and our own stories of mental health. We've all made a lot of sacrifices during this pandemic, and now is the time to take care of you. Don't get discouraged, as we all know too well how hard it is to coordinate professional counseling with our two kids, find someone affordable that we can relate to that can assess our needs before we invest several hours in childcare, driving, and waiting in a waiting room to be let down after waiting several weeks or months to be seen. Don't limit yourself to finding counselors in your area. You can find professional counselors who are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, and more. BetterHelp is not self-help. It's not a crisis line. It's confidential, convenient, professional counseling done securely online. Start communicating in less than 48 hours. You'll be able to message your counselor anytime and receive timely, thoughtful responses. BetterHelp is available worldwide. It's secure over video or by phone. So many people have found success with BetterHelp that they're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional counseling and financial aid is available. Check out their testimonials, which are posted daily on their site. We want you to start living a happier life. As our listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com backwards. Join us and over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash backwards. Thank you to BetterHelp for making this episode possible. Now back to the interview. What was like the big, like, what was the first kind of milestone for you as an artist? Like, what was the, that took you to the next level, so to speak? Like what, you're in the clubs, you have a few songs, like when was it like recording your first song and putting it out? Or like, what was kind of the big jump for you? I think the big jump for me was after I had gotten signed to my first publishing contract, they had signed me sort of for the express reason of pitching my music to TV and film okay. and uh, to getting me into sync as it's called. Um, sure. And my first ever sync was on Lucifer in its first season in its infancy. It was like, I don't know, maybe episode two, episode three of that show. Uh, and that was huge. Hearing my music on a soundtrack on a new show that was buzzing. And that's when I thought, okay, maybe I can really make a career out of this and make this work. Was there like, how did you get the publishing deal? Were you just submitting like demos to, to different record labels and people or how did that yep. start for you? Yeah. And I had a lawyer at the time and we were kind of doing the thing of, you know, you're out there and you're trying to get a foothold and nothing was working. Um, and I very much was over the whole, uh, the whole thing. And I thought, <laughs> oh, this is never going to happen. It's never going to work out. And right when I thought it wasn't going to work out was when my then publisher, Carlin Music, who was since bought by Roundhill, who now are my amazing publishers. Um, they, yeah, they kind of swooped in. They had heard, we didn't even pitch to them. They had heard a song that I 
wrote with someone else, I think who was on their roster at the time. And they were like, who is this girl that is singing? And they kind of cold called me. And I remember I was in Philadelphia at the time. I had actually moved back in with my parents. I had been in New York and then failed miserably and moved back home to Philly, uh, sort of, you know, hanging my head and thinking, oh, what am I going to do? And they called and I said, oh, I can't go back up to New York for two weeks, just because I thought it was going to be another meeting where they were giving me the runaround. And mm -hmm. when I came to the meeting, they said, we want to sign you, you know, no bullshit. We want to sign you right now. Wow. And I thought, oh, wow. I'm, I feel really bad that I made you wait for two weeks. <laughs> but, yeah. Was, was there a particular song they signed you on? Yeah, it was the song that I uh, ended up getting my first sync with. It's called A Little Wicked. And that was the first song that I ever put out on my own. And now it's been in a bunch of TV shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they were definitely right about the sync potential of that song. That's amazing. And from that, getting that song in, in shows and, you know, the sync syncs, what was like, from there, were you like, okay, now... Do you like, does your mind sh like shift as far as like now, should I start to try to write songs in that realm of, of TV or was it, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully the songs that I write will make it to that level again? Yeah, I was lucky enough that what I was doing at the time, I think lined up a lot with what people wanted for TV shows. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm sort of in the right space naturally. Mm -hmm. So hopefully as I continue to write, I will continue to have things that get on TV. And then I've been really lucky in that way. Okay. That's cool. I mean, and, and you've had so much success with, I mean, a song like Think About You has over a hundred million plays on Spotify. Like when yeah. you start seeing these numbers grow up, was it, was it with those first few songs? I mean, well, Spotify probably wasn't really a thing in 2016. I mean, when like, yeah. what was the progression as far as your career went? I think the biggest song that really sort of um, got to that echelon was definitely Think About You. Uh, so I had songs that were getting you know, couple million streams, which was amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. far beyond anything that I had expected. And then Think About You came along and that was sort of the behemoth, uh, the first one that really changed it all for me. And was there something that happened with that song that created the, the buzz or? Obviously the involvement of Kygo. Uh, and it was his first single for a while. I oh, think okay. he hadn't put something out in a second. If I remember correctly, um, he hadn't put something out for a couple of months or something. And it was the beginning of the year. It was Valentine's Day. And I think it was just right place, right time. And the mm -hmm. song reacted well. And it was great. Wow. And how did you get linked up with Kygo? We actually have the same management team. We're at the same management company. Mm -hmm. And so I actually think we had written that song for someone else. I want to say it was a country artist or something. It had been down in Nashville with Aaron Espy and Petey Martin. And Petey ended up changing two of the chords and the whole song just got way brighter and kind of had this DJ vibe to it when it came back as a demo. And, uh, I think my manager, Ryan, and Kygo's manager, Miles, uh, were both on that original email and heard the song and thought, this is a Kygo song. And they sent it over to him and 24 hours later, he was working on it. Wow, that's huge. That is huge. Yeah, um, it was crazy. From that moment on, was it like, did you, were you uh, playing live still during this whole period in between 2016 and, and when Think About You came out? 
Yeah, definitely. But, but not on the level that then I would end up doing with Kygo for sure. It right. was a bit of a shock. <laughs> okay. So did you tour with him or like what, what happened, what happened when that song came out? Yeah, I ended up doing a ton of dates with him in 2019, which was just amazing. Some of these festivals, the first one that I played was 100,000 people at <laughs> EDC Mexico. And I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. I had never oh. seen that many people anywhere in my right. entire life, let alone looking at me. And yeah, I was so nervous. The microphone <laughs> to oh, yeah. speak out to them all. It was so, I was so nervous that when the cryo went off, um, the sort of steam that comes up out of the little cannons and it, it has quite a loud noise. And if you've never been around it before, it's like, you know, and it just surprised, it surprised me. And I nearly fell backwards off of the platform I was standing on. And apparently behind me, the whole team was like, ah, because they thought they were going to have to catch me. Yeah. And I recovered and it was fine. And I don't think anyone saw me because okay. of the, the cryo going off. But yeah, halfway through the song, I nearly just ate it off the back of the platform because I was so nervous. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like a hundred thousand people, that that must just look like a sea of, of heads. I mean, I can't yeah. imagine what that <laughs> even much. looks like. This sort of like <laughs> undulating, moving blob of humanity. Yeah, it was so cool though. And everyone was so supportive and the fans were so supportive and I will never forget that moment. That's huge. I mean, 2019 was a big year for you. I mean, you put out a bunch of songs that year yeah. and I'm sure you had a a plan for 2020 to continue the, you know, success and the momentum. Like, what was that like having that all kind of come to a halt? Like, I mean, where were you when, when the whole coronavirus thing happened? So I was here in LA and I remember that I was supposed to be playing a show with Kygo in, I think Miami. I want to say it was EDC. And I remember hearing that it had been canceled and thinking, okay, well, yeah, that, that seems safe out of an abundance of caution, because at the time I thought, surely it's not going to get that crazy. And I remember that we had two weeks of lockdown. And I was like, oh, all right, my roommate and I are going to stock up on food and we're going to drink right. a ton of wine and just have <laughs> a great time. And I remember at the beginning of those two weeks thinking to myself, just to be sure uh, I should buy some recording equipment, you know, really basic stuff just in case. So I can work for two weeks and I don't go crazy. Um, mm. And that turned into moving out into my own, my own place, like basically building an entire studio in my second bedroom Wow! because now I needed to be able to work. And at the time, I think you just were taking it day by day and mm -hmm. things were changing rapidly. And I'm definitely in a way, uh, I, I'm sure we would all rather that the pandemic never happened, but the silver lining for me was definitely being able to take time away from my artist project and think about what I really wanted to put out. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that I wanted to sort of come back to my singer songwriter roots when it came to songwriting and then also writing for myself. And I'm so glad that I got that time to think mm -hmm. about that. And with, with that, like the song, The Truth that you put out last year, was that something you wrote and recorded at your house? Yeah. Wow. Yes, indeed. Um, that was a crazy one. Kygo had a track that he really wanted to put on his album, but that just had never gone anywhere. And 
I ended up getting it into my email inbox on a Sunday. I think it was like April 19th and then it came out May 29th. So the turnaround was really quick and I uh-huh. recorded it on an SM7 in like a lofted, this little lofted room that uh-huh. I had above my living room at the time. It was the wow. quietest spot I could find and yeah, totally and crazy. So that, that song was sung and recorded that, that way. Wow. Yep. What about during quarantine? Oh my gosh. Is that the, what about sideways? Was that another song that was done that way? Or like, is all the new music coming out recorded in your house? Yeah, it's all recorded at home, except I have one single coming out. um, A couple of singles from now on my own EP called drive. Yeah. That has a huge vocal. And I just needed my friends, uh, $10,000 $10,000 telefunken mic. Um, <laughs> the producer of the song, I went over to his, uh, his studio and ended up recording there, but everything else sideways and, and all of my stuff that's coming out has been recorded at home. Wow. That's what was it like to kind of take on that, you know, role as far as like being producer and artist? like, was it difficult to, or had you recorded yourself in the past? Yeah, I actually had not recorded myself at all. Um, Sideways was one of the first vocals that I ever did myself, but I'm really lucky that my work wife, Lena Leon, who I actually wrote The Truth with, she started out in this industry as a vocal engineer. And so when I was panicking, like, how am I going to do this? Because I think there's a lot of it's intimidating when you're just a songwriter and you never really got involved on the production side of things. Mm -hmm. You wonder like, am I qualified to do any of this? But Lena was amazing and walked me through all of it. And of course we have so much tech now that makes it so much easier than back in the day trying to record. And I didn't have to cut any tape, you know, (laughs) but thank God. Um, But yeah, she walked me through the whole thing. And I'm so grateful now that I have the ability to record myself. It's really empowering. Mm-hmm. And what about co-writes? Were you doing those at all? Or was that oh, something yeah. you had to do like over Zoom? And what was that yeah. like? Yeah, Sideways, Sideways and The Truth were both written over Zoom. Um, Sideways was actually my first Zoom session of the really? pandemic. Back when we thought like, oh, this will be two weeks. Right. We'll just do a Zoom <laughs> session for fun. Right. Yeah. Okay. Was that must have been, were there like you know, hiccups along the way as far as that went? Or was it, how do you feel about doing co-writes over Zoom? It's actually been pretty good. I've gotten some great songs out of it and things that I've really loved. But I think that it is definitely easier when you know people and you have been friends for a while and you've worked together for a while and then you end up working over Zoom because you know each other's style. Mm -hmm. It definitely has been a little bit harder when you're in with someone that you've never met before and you're just like, hi nice to meet you (laughs) you're trying to understand each other's style and yeah it's a whole thing but uh I've been very very lucky with my co-writers uh in the past year that's amazing and the most recent song you've put out is Iris tell me about that song yeah so that's a cover of the classic yeah song Mm -hmm. and I had the great honor of singing on their last record I did background oh you did that's amazing so how did you get involved with them it was really random I was at a friend's house my friend Derek uh, he was producing a bunch of the songs on on their record (laughs) excuse me and I uh 
we were just, you know, songwriting together one day and he was like, oh, you know, I'm working on this Goo Goo Dolls record. And he was like, actually, they're looking for a female backing singer. He was like, you don't do backing vocals, do you? And I was like, for the Goo Goo Dolls, I do. Yeah. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> yeah, like a hundred percent. And that was a wonderful experience. I got to go into Capitol, you know, wow. this amazing historic studio and for I think two days I came in and did backgrounds for them and that was just wonderful and then I got to go and see them live it was actually my second time seeing them live but this time we were backstage and it was all fancy and you know it was just such a joy to be a part of all of that and to see people that were you know, true heroes of mine mm-hmm. growing up and I think during the pandemic I was listening to them a ton and after a couple months of like belting out Iris in the shower, I was like, maybe I should cover this and ended up doing it. And, and yeah, now it's out. Wow. That's cool. So it all kind of sparked from that, you know, opportunity you had to, to record on their record. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think it's sort of, that was like the domino that started the, the whole thing. Okay. And then I did see that you have, uh, is your EP coming out? You have an EP coming yes. out called Voyager. What, what is that? All new music? Like, are any of these songs that you've put out uh, going to be on yeah. that EP? What What can you tell us about that EP? Uh, it is all going to be new, except there is going to be an acoustic version of Sideways on it, which I'm okay. very excited about that. Uh, so we'll have. Obviously, we've had some great remixes on that song, and and now we're also going to put out the acoustic version. So there's going to be a lot of there's going to be something for everyone when it comes to sideways. So we're excited about that. And then yeah, it's besides obviously Iris being a cover, everything else is brand new music. Very cool, very cool, and stuff's starting to open up. I mean, as far as people are booking shows and and, and festivals are are happening or they're going to happen. Um, are you going to be performing anytime soon or have you had a chance to play over yeah, the course I, of this pandemic at all? I will definitely be doing some shows coming up with Kygo. So I'm really excited about that. That'll mm-hmm. be a nice warm up, I think, sort of getting back out there. And I'm slowly, you know, starting to look at booking shows myself and stuff like that, but nothing necessarily set in stone as of yet, um, except for these couple of appearances with Kygo coming up. I don't know if I'm allowed to say exactly when I will appear, <laughs> but it is happening. You will be appearing with Kygo <laughs> in the near future. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> well, Valerie, thank you so much for, for talking with me today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah, I do have one more question before I let you go. Uh, Do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Yeah, I would say, this is cheesy, obviously. Everyone would say, don't give up. But I would say that it is going to take way more time than you think it's going to take. And that's actually a good thing. Because I think a lot of people think that they're just going to get in and they're going to have success overnight. And if they don't have success overnight, then it's not meant to be and that this isn't for them. And that's not the case because I think so many people look as if they've had success overnight, but they haven't. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've been working at it behind the scenes for years upon years. And so while that sounds like a bummer that it's not going to happen overnight, the truth is that... um, 
you don't have to hold yourself to that impossible standard of getting into music and becoming a star the next day. Uh, so keep at it, I think is what I would tell people.